Good morning, brothers and sisters. Yesterday in the church, we celebrated a great solemnity of the nativity of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the only other saint in the church besides Jesus for whom we celebrate a birthday in such a solemn way. Even the Blessed Mother doesn't get this. There's a reason why the church elevates the birth of John the Baptist in our liturgical celebrations. She wants us to focus on his birth because John had this very essential and unique role of being the precursor to the Lord. He was chosen by God to prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah coming into the world to set us free from sin. And this was a very great mission. He's considered the last great prophet of the Old Testament. And something that Jesus said about John is, is very important. Jesus said that John is the greatest man ever born of woman. Now that is quite a profound statement. John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of woman. Now naturally you should ask yourself, well, what about the Blessed Mother? I thought she was immaculately conceived. Jesus himself is a man born of woman. What's going on here? What is our Lord trying to teach us? Well, after our Lord said that John is the greatest man born of woman, he said, however, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. The least in the kingdom of heaven. And what our Lord means by this, anyone who is a member of his body of the church, which he, of course, called the kingdom of heaven, anyone who's been baptized, who's been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, is by that fact greater. John naturally is the greatest man ever born of woman. But any person who's been baptized is elevated by the grace of Jesus Christ above any natural goodness. So both of those statements are obviously true. But John has this unique and this special role. And so yesterday we celebrated the nativity. In fact, in, in some countries back in the day, they used to call it Jonas Miss. You know, we call it Christmas for Jesus's birthday. They called it basically John, Jonas Miss, Jonas Miss. I thought there were some very interesting ways that people used to celebrate this, but it's always been a significant solemnity in the church, always. And this day in particular, or yesterday in particular, was chosen by the church as the celebration of John's birth, not because that was the day on which he was actually born, we don't know. But this day was chosen the same time when the church chose the date for Jesus' birth, December 25th. Because Jesus probably, I mean, he may have been, but we have no idea whether he was born on December 25th or not. No idea. We don't know when John was born. Although I will tell you a very fascinating story. You all know St. Anthony of Padua. If you don't get to know him, he's important. He's the one who finds stuff for you when you lose it. St. Anthony, ever since he was a little boy, had a tremendous devotion to the Christ child. This is why if you ever see a statue or a painting of St. Anthony or a stained glass window, he's holding the young Jesus. So because of his great love during his whole life for the Christ child, he always wanted to know the real day of Jesus' birth. And so he kept asking for it. And one day, our Lord and Our Lady appeared to him and told him the real date. And so each year on that day, he would have his own little celebration for Jesus' birthday, but he never told the soul when it was. To this day, we don't know. But Anthony of Padua actually knew the original date because our Lord revealed it to him. So we don't know that. We were never told that it wasn't handed down. And so in the early church, when they decided to 
began to celebrate these feasts, they had to choose days. Now, something obvious about the days that the church had to choose was the fact that we know from the scriptures, John was six months older than Jesus. So obviously yesterday is six months until Christmas. Six months from now, we'll celebrate Christmas. Half a year, we know John was six months older. Since we don't know the days, they actually chose these days based on the solar cycle. So if any of you are familiar, there are kind of four significant days in a solar cycle for Earth. Two of them are called the equinoxes, and two of them are called the solstices. So an equinox is a day where the nighttime and the daytime are of equal length. That's why they're equinox, equinox. So let's say it's 12 hours of night, 12 hours of day. Those are the two equinoxes. And they're at opposite ends on the calendar year. And the solstices are at another point on the calendar year. And they are the two days of the year in which the light and the darkness are absolutely opposed. So the summer solstice, which happens in later-ish June, is when the day is the longest and the night is the shortest. And then Christmas is December 25th, the winter solstice, when the day is the shortest and the night is the longest. Now, when I first learned this, I thought the church got it backwards. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you put Jesus' birthday on the day that had the shortest amount of light, the least amount of light? And John gets the most amount of light on the summer solstice. It didn't make any sense to me. And yet what the church teaches is, is there is one line in the Bible, one line in the Gospels, which comes directly from John the Baptist, which is the reason they chose those days. John said, hopefully you'll remember, about Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Very famous line from John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. And so when the church was choosing these days to celebrate their birth, they chose the summer solstice from John because from the summer solstice onward, the daylight decreases. And from the coming of Christ into the world at Christmas, at the winter solstice, the daylight increases. That's why the church chose these days. So when Christ comes into the world, it's at the darkest moment of the year, when the light is needed the most, but there's the least light in the world. And then from that day forward, the daylight grows and grows and grows, and that's what Christ does in the world. His light continues to shine throughout our lives. But the summer solstice that John was given is to remind us of this teaching that John gave, that to make room for Christ in my life, I must decrease. There must become less of me so that there's more room for him. So each one of us really needs to take this to heart. John's words should ultimately become our own. In what ways can I decrease so that Christ can increase in me? Now we know that St. Paul got to a point in his life in which this had totally taken place. St. Paul said very beautifully, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul had decreased to such an extent there was very little of Paul left. It was just Jesus. 
Now, one of the fears that we have in the spiritual life is, if I really die to myself in this way, then what am I? Who am I? I lose myself. Psychologically, this causes people angst, and they don't want to let go of that self-identity. This is who I am. How could God ask me to give this up? Most people have no idea what human nature is all about, let alone true identity. They don't realize that one of the basic designs that God has placed in the whole world is that through death comes life. And the perfect example of this has always been the seed. A seed is a very specific thing. But in order for it to become what it was meant to be, you have to bury it in the ground. Oh, that's interesting. We do that with dead things. And it has to die to being a seed. You see, once it starts to grow, it's no longer a seed anymore. It's now a plant. It's what it was meant to be, but it has transformed. It had to give up its current mode of existence and become what ultimately it desired to be, what it was designed to be. For each of us, there's no difference. We get confused about what it means to be human and alive and an individual. We don't realize that until we die to these obsessions we have in regards to our own identity and personality and start to live for God, Christ in particular, then we'll never find ourselves truly just consider for a moment five saints that you know about. I mean, there are, there are thousands of saints. All of them sought total death to self and conformity to Jesus Christ, and yet all of them are so unique. No two are alike. I mean, yes, in virtue they may be alike, but personality-wise, they're still very different. You don't lose yourself when you decrease in this way, as John tells us. In fact, you begin to find your true self in Christ. So we have to let go of this fear. We have to pray for that grace to, to die to ourselves. And we can do this in, in the beginning, at least, in just small ways. Think of children. This is a great way to think of it for you. Okay. Think of that toy that you like but one of your siblings really loves and they're always asking to play with. Would you ever consider giving it to them? That's death to self, right? You're giving up your own possessions. It's no longer yours anymore. It belongs to somebody else. Girls, I have to say this to the ladies because this, this isn't so much an issue with men, but girls, let's say you have a sister who loves that blouse or skirt or whatever and they're borrowing it all the time. Why don't you give it to them? Usually when we think about the things that we could give up, that our initial reaction is, oh, but it's mine. I, that, but I like it. See how easily we find this attachment to something so physical and, and truly unnecessary. If I can't detach from earthly things, then how am I going to be ready to die when the Lord asks me to detach from life itself? And this is why so many Christians sadly struggle with death. At the end of their life, there they are, whether they've lived a long life or, or whether it's a tragic short life. They're grasping, grasping onto life. They don't want to let go. Now, I'm not saying you should throw your life away, but what are you afraid of? Do you believe that Christ is the resurrection and the life? 
If he is the resurrection and the life, then you can die. It's no big deal. No big deal. Because if you have Christ, then you have eternal life. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid because I have not yet died to myself because I have not yet decreased in the right way. Now, for the life of me, I can't remember which saint this was. So forgive me, I don't know who it was. If anybody ever finds out, let me know. But many years ago, I read about this hermit saint, very holy man, who lived out in the woods, built a little hovel. He had a little garden and he would take care of the poor and the sick and then he would tend his garden and pray. It's a very simple life. And he sought like John the Baptist, to be totally detached from everything. He tried to give everything up in this life. In fact, when people would give him things, like money or, or a chair, he would give it away. He's like, no, I don't want anything. In his little hovel, he slept on the ground. He didn't have a blanket or anything, and he used a rock as a pillow. The only technical possession he had was like a little old beaten up metal cup that he could drink water out of. That was it. Like nothing special. And he would always pray, Lord, help me die to myself. Help me give up everything in this world so that when it's time, I'm ready just to shed this mortal coil and be with you in heaven. So after years and years of living this very holy and hermetical life, one day he's in prayer and the Lord appears to him. Jesus actually appeared to him in his little cell, in his little, his little house. And Jesus said to him, my son, you sought so long to give up everything for me. And there's only one more thing I want from you. Only one thing you're still holding on to. And he wrote this down. He said, I was thinking to myself, well, what could it be? I thought I gave up everything. Like, so you want me to go around naked? No, that can't be it. You know, I have to wear something. He didn't know what it was. And he's like, Lord, just name it and it's yours. Whatever it is, I'll give it up right away. And the Lord says, you know that little metal cup? I want it. And that saint wrote, at that moment, my first thought was, no, but that's all I have. Like he was even attached to that. Something so pathetic and worthless. And he said, at that moment, I didn't even know I was attached to it. I didn't realize how this sad little thing still had a hold on me. In our own lives, certainly there are things we are aware of that we are attached to. But trust me, there is so much more that we can't even perceive it. Now, our Lord is not going to ask everyone like that saint to give up absolutely every little thing. But are you willing to give it up if he asks for it? That's the question. And when we can, like John, and like the daylight from this day forward, begin to decrease little by little each day, it helps prepare us to follow the Lord better. So I'll end with one more story. This one isn't as virtuous as the first, but it'll still get the point across. There was a, an elderly couple I knew of, this is many, many years ago, who always lived a very frugal life. The husband was like always careful with the finances, very strict. His wife didn't even know anything about their finances. He took care of all of that. And they, they lived very simply, raised their kids their whole life. So now they're in their 80s. And for, for decades now, her husband had always said to her, he said, if, if I die first, if I go first, please, I j just promise me that you'll bury me with the painting that's hanging over the mantle. For some reason, he loved this painting. It was like some painting of an Irish countryside or something. I don't know, something like that. It wasn't anything special, but he just really loved it. And he, he would often remind his wife of this, please, just bury me with this painting. 
And she was like, honey, of course, if, if, that, if that's what you want, whatever you want. Well, he did die first. And so when she was at the funeral home preparing for the burial, she asks the undertakers, you know, I have this painting my husband wanted to be buried with. Can we bury it with him? And it was a large painting. We're talking like four feet by five feet. It was, it was a big painting. And she brought it in and they to, took a look at it and said, obviously it's just too big with the frame and everything to be buried. So you're gonna have to take it out of the frame and we'll just roll it up and put it in the coffin with him. And she goes, oh, that'll be fine. That's what he wanted. So she and one of her sons took down the, the painting and as they were taking it apart to get the picture out, they found out that the frame was actually quite thick. And when they took the painting off, there were millions of dollars in cash stuffed behind it. Millions of dollars. Her husband was a miser. Been hiding money and he wanted to be buried with it. Think of how messed up that is. Now, that type of greed and selfishness is a damnable offense. I pray to God he repented before he died. You can go to hell for something like that. Talk about attachment to things. You can imagine she didn't bury the money with him. <laughs> she gave him the painting, though. That's what he asked for. And she took that money and lived a very comfortable, retired life. All of us have things we need to detach from. All of us. Whether it's money or some small object, our own way of thinking, our own preferences. It doesn't really matter. You know the old saying, you can't take it with you. Well, it's true. You can't. And in the end, if you try, it's only going to harm you. Follow this example that the church sets for us by giving the summer solstice as the day for the feast of St. John the Baptist's birth. It should remind us every year and ultimately throughout the year that in order to prepare the way for Christ in our lives, we have to decrease. There has to become less of us, our will, our desires, our hopes, our dreams. We need to be willing at least to give them up for the Lord. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to hear about them and grant them sometimes. But if he ever asks for anything, am I ready to let go of it? Am I ready to give it up for him? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.